Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things you should be considering to level up your gameplay. You can continue the conversation with us on our free Discord, and if you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon if you're in a position to do so. Links will be in the show notes. This is a competitive-focused podcast, so bear in mind that our opinions are focused through that lens. Regular members include Jacob, Sploosh, Mike, and Chewy. Hello and welcome to the second of the top eight interviews from season eight of the TCS seasons. And I'm joined by Nick, aka Magic Nick. How are you doing, Nick? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, very well. Firstly, congratulations on making top four. Uh, it's tricky. I've been trying a lot and not been managing it. So, uh, so big achievement there. Well done. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah. It went. Uh, it was a close game, but it went pretty well in the end. I had uh, my game plan established from the beginning, and everything went uh, uh, almost as planned. And uh, went. It was a really close game, but in the end, uh, my extract plays were pretty brutal, and they won me the game. Well, we'll get into those in a minute. Um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity just to give a bit of background in case people haven't come across you before, haven't seen any of your games, haven't caught any of your talking that you might have done. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your sort of hobby history and uh, how you got into doing well at MCP. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I started playing War Machine, like I want to say 15 years ago or something like that. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, so I was play- I played pretty competitively War Machine in Mark II and Mark III, and that's my big background in miniature games, um, but yeah, it's a really good training ground to get used to other gaming systems after. And uh, as for MCP, um, I was getting a bit more tired with War Machine, and then uh, it's because of uh, Will Pagani's history with War Machine, I was pretty tempted at looking at MCP, and uh, that's how I started, and I got started with one of my buddies who also made the top 32, Vodka Blitz. Mm-hmm. And we started together during the pandemic to play the game a lot. Uh, we fell in love, and uh, yeah, we've been playing like crazy since then. Because <laughs> hmm. uh, you're playing an Avengers roster, which we'll dig into it a bit more. Has, has Avengers always been a passion, or has it been something you've drawn to recently? Uh it's been my go-to roster for tournament most of the time. Uh, I've I've played everything at least a bit, but uh, Steve Rogers, I was playing him even before his buff. Uh, the leadership is just so good, and uh, I've been in love with it since the beginning. It really suits my play style, so I always go back to them every once in a while. I just can't stay away. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the leadership, have, uh, uh, are there any particular things that you like doing with that leadership? We'll probably get into a few of them in a minute, but uh, what are your favorite superpowers to discount? Um, honestly, everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything, but to be, to be more precise, anything that costs two, be, that becomes one. Basically anything that becomes online turn one, I love it. Uh, after that, I don't have really a specific preferred one. Um, might still be airlift from Sam. Uh, mm. which I don't choose that often, but uh, sometimes it's game-winning, and it's really, really sweet. So, yeah, it's mm. probably my favorite. 
Okay, let's, let's dig into your roster a little bit. So we've got, uh, you have got Sam in there, but it's a Steve roster, right? Um, I'd say like 95% of the time it's Steve. Um, I yeah. play Sam in very few specific scenarios, uh, but those are really far in between and require specific point costs. Like, yeah, it's like 95% Steve. Yeah, it's something like maybe going five wide at 14, that kind of thing where you want to do that. Um, yeah, so it's more, um, Sam is more for like certain specific, really slow scoring setups that are going to be grindier and where right. I, feel, yeah. I feel like the game's going to go to like, say, turn five, six, almost guaranteed. So in those cases, sometimes it's depending on the team on the other side, like say it's black order, then uh, maybe, maybe Sam, <laughs> Sam shows up, uh, in those kind of situations. Yeah. Or maybe if you're, I mean, Sam's very good into Malekith, isn't he? So maybe if you're seeing a Malekith, um, you're pretty certain they're going to drop. Maybe that'll be your counter drop. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends okay. on the scenario again. But... Right, well, let's move away from what you don't play and focus on what you do play. So Steve Rogers, and am I right in thinking Hulk makes it nearly all the time? Uh, this season, yes. I think I've played one game without Hulk uh, so far this season. He is, um, since his rework, the guy is a monster. Uh, I think everybody's aware of it by now. Um, he's one of the most versatile piece in the game like he just does everything if you need control he's got it if you need mobility he's got some if you need uh just some hitting power he can also do it like the and he's super durable uh and under steve everything costing one that just gives him so many crazy plays uh, and of course having steve you've got a bodyguard online so which gives him an even bigger health pool uh, yeah, for sure, but I think it's mostly the uh, the options for extract plays uh, that Steve enables. Uh, right, let's talk, in, let's talk about those. Uh, I've seen you put some of these into action, but our listeners may not have. So why don't you explain what you what you mean by that? Yes, so um, let's say we're playing with a central objective, like, uh, say, struggle for the cube. There is a center cube. So the goal is to use gamma leap and one move action to reach the center line and then uh, pick up the cube with your last power and then move back, uh, which is possible to do because of Steve's leadership, making Gamma, gamma Leap cost two instead of one. Mm. So, uh, that sequence uh, normally gets your Hulk pretty safely, and he's a great cube holder. Uh, he's not going to die from it anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, that play specifically is extremely good. Yeah, he's got great uses for the extra power as well that the cubes give him. Yep, yep, totally. Um, so... Something that uh, I've seen seen you doing is this kind of uh, spreading out, grabbing a whole load of cubes, and then condensing back. Uh, I've been really impressed with your placement of like how you get Steve to protect a whole bunch of people. Uh, is that something that you've had to practice a lot to get right? Um, I think it comes with... I didn't practice it much, but I think it just comes with the years of uh, extremely precise gaming and War Machine and that also translated to MCP uh, into being used to that kind of uh, being super tight on my positioning, uh, which I think is one of my strengths overall. I think I'm pretty good normally at uh, placing my models. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, I just find that in MCP in general, uh, right now, like if you can have the extract lead, uh, normally you can just force a secure split and it's gonna be in your advantage. And mm -hmm. whenever, like, I think my game against Shadow Marvel that was streamed is a great example where, like, you had to leave a model stranded on the other side of the board to all this secure, the, the secure, while I could have my old team facing basically his team minus one model. 
So that gave me the edge in the end, uh, positioning wise. So I'm always trying to find a way of moving my models to gain that kind of numbers advantage. And uh, I love just double moving. <laughs> I love just running. I'm a big fan of just running everywhere. If you can't attack me, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, you've got um, some, some interesting other options then. So if we're thinking you've got a core of often uh, Steve Rogers with Hulk, then we've got a, a substantial core then of 10. We're looking probably for a third Avenger at some point. But you've got some interesting unaffiliated choices. So you've got some some classics like Ghost Spider, um, and I think. There's, there's not maybe not that much to say about her. She's she's great under Steve. That discount, like you said, two down to one. Um, how have you been finding Heimdall? That's an interesting one. Um, I was much more of a fan of Heimdall before Malekith came out. Uh, <laughs> uh, as like now is uh, offensive contribution isn't quite as relevant. So because of that, uh, I'm almost cut him out of my roster. He might not make like. If there was another update to rosters, he might not be in it anymore. Mm. But I still use him for one thing that I still find really useful. And it's whenever I'm forced into uh, single extracts, uh, like uh, Alien Ship and uh, the Scroll one, uh, yep. where you have to roll and uh, if you roll a crit, you, you get it, right? Um, yep. In those two scenarios, uh, considering the style of playstyle I have, I often want to somehow manage to get it, but it's super random. Uh, I've been trying using Aimdall to just reroll that roll nonstop until I get it. And it's I'm not sure if it's worth it, but it's been interesting so far. Okay, so kind of like a, a tech piece for those particular crises, which you're not yep, bringing. Yep. That makes sense. Um, you got Loki. I love Loki under Steve. I've always loved Loki under Steve. Loki is some of the most fun you can have playing MCP with the knots that you can tie your opponents in. So um, no, no questions there. If you haven't tried it, go and try it, listener. Um, but then we got Miss Marvel. Um, and Ms. I think Miss Marvel is a, a decent character, but what particularly is the synergies you're bringing in there with Steve? Um, what I like about Miss Marvel is with Ambigan, she's deceptively mobile. Um, I think nobody that's never tried it can even realize how big it is, but like just Earth transforming and then transforming back is roughly the equivalent of a medium move. So, like, uh, so that's really good. And she also brings some okay offensive output against smaller models, which I like to be able to bully. And she also has two control techs built into her kit. Uh, which are also great. She has the pull on her Morpho Punch, yep. the, the range 4 strike. Uh, so like that pull can play really well into scenario. And with her, with that being a gainer and her having a range 3 throw uh, for 3 power, which with Steve comes down to 2, she can basically in a turn move, strike once, maybe display someone, and then potentially throw, guaranteed throw someone after. So like mm. she brings a surprising amount of displacement and control if you just dedicate herself to that. And then she also has the option of like going big and beating down people. So she offers like a nice in-between and I think she's really, really strong and people should like play her more. Mm -hmm. Good to hear some, some love for Kamala there. I'm a fan of the character. Um, then you've got kind of, would you say Black Cat and Dr. Voodoo are competitive staples? <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Um, I don't think you necessarily bring, need to have both any competitive rosters, but at least one of them is probably essential at this point. And uh, yeah, they're really, really good. Um, Black Cat under Steve is particularly brutal. Uh, with Advanced R&D, I'm stealing objectives turn one uh, off of people. So like that gives me often a really comfortable extract lead uh, turn one. Well, round one. Because mm, you might, let's say you're on hammers, for example. Hulk goes and grabs a middle hammer and retreats. That seems good. Yep. Steve, I don't know, doodles at the back and picks up your home hammer. And then Cat can go and steal the far hammer, the other hammer on the side. Maybe even go to the back point. Mm. Three one up yep. on hammers. Mm. Yeah, I often break. Yeah, say for instance in cubes, uh, I'll often end up with four cubes. Yeah. Round one, uh, well, three to four, depending who has prio. But if I have prio, normally four. Otherwise, three. And uh, yeah, and in armors, same thing. It's often going to be a three-one split in my favor because of uh, black cat mm -hmm. and voodoo. So yeah, uh, normally a really favorable extract trade. Just looking, so if you're setting up for that kind of thing and you're talking about going early with Hulk, do you yeah. find that sometimes uh, people try and counterplay by going and grabbing, like with a long mover or a 50mm base medium mover, going and grabbing one of, quote, your cubes or spiders or your home hammer or something? So that they, they try that into this team and does that work? Um, I haven't had anyone really... I have had... Well, it's not true. Shadow Marvel tried it in our game, actually, with Mystique. And uh, it was interesting, like, it basically forces me to use Black Cat to steal that one back. Uh, so if I had Prio, it's still a 3-2 three, three split or 3-1 in my favor normally. Because if they do that, then I can pick up another one before and then steal it with Black Cat, like, at the end of the round. Yeah. So, but yeah, normally it's, it keeps the parity closer, but normally it's still not favorable, I'd say. So you're not looking for a runaway win. You're just trying to get a slight advantage and then collapse down on Steve and then bring your weight of numbers because they're having to leave people on secures to leverage that to a, to a victory. That's the game plan, right? Um, yeah, we can kind of like, uh, like if we say the, the, the big lines, yeah, then it's obviously trickier than that in the actual chaos of a game. Sure. But yeah, normally um, I'm going to try to isolate whichever side I normally want to find wherever my opponent has his least mobile pieces, and that's the side I'm going to, if possible, abandon. Um, and just leave the less mobile pieces in their in their corner, yeah. and then can just shift to the other side. Um, as I play lists that are normally really mobile, with like Steve being the slowest model, mm. and yeah. everything else being super mobile, like Sam moving long plus charge, uh, Hulk with Gamma Leap, Black Cat... So yeah, and those kind of setups, yeah. Um, yeah. Toad of the Hop is the other character in your roster, just in case people are keeping track of your roster. Uh, roster will be in the show notes, though, if you want to have a look at it. Uh, let's talk about your crises then. So, interesting question. When you win uh, priority, do you normally pick extracts or secures? And I appreciate it's going to vary a little bit, but in general, which one tends to be come up more? Um, my rule of thumb for this is basically, I look at my opponent's uh, secures and extracts, and I basically just choose whichever setup is going to give me the highest scoring game in general. Gotcha. That's you... honestly the way I do it. So, like, if my opponent has, like, low score, like, 
slow scoring secures and extracts i'm gonna choose my extracts because like i have like super high scoring extracts mm-hmm. if my opponent has slow scoring secures uh my secures are still like uh kind of high scoring like they're not the highest scoring but they're high scoring enough that if my opponent has like mid speed or high scoring like montesi for example right which is like not super fast but like not entirely dead like a scroll or a alien ship can be mm-hmm. like if it's more in montensi for instance and i'm like ah, i could play into this if it's like demons on the other side i might choose secures just to like force the overall higher number of points that makes that's, sense uh, okay. that's like i feel like i can leverage uh the early game pressure better than almost any other roster with steve venger so yeah the mm-hmm. getting the highest scoring game is normally how i win Easiest. So your your extracts make sense in terms of this grab a middle game plan and high scoring. Spider infected, struggle for the cube, both got a middle extract for Hulk to grab and retreat, and they're both high scoring. Seems great. And Deadly Legacy Virus kind of in the same vein as well. Um, you've got the, the grab and retreat with Hulk, uh, and you've got the potential to score really quite high if you use your um, your Black Cat Steel and your mission objective, and suddenly assemble the assemble Voltron and, and win the game basically. There, yeah. So, uh, I think yeah. extracts are pretty jive. Once you've understood your game plan, extracts make a lot of sense. I'm interested then in your secures. So, you said you want the highest possible scoring setup, and that maybe kind of explains Gamma. Gamma is, is one of the weird ones. In fact, if I'm really honest, I'm not sure I understand any of these three secure. So I kind of need you to talk me through each of them in turn. But let's start with Gamma. Is it just the speed or is there a particular... I mean, Hulk on Gamma is good. Is, is that enough as well to win you Gamma? Um, I consider that Avengers are Gamma specialists. They're like, if not the best and like the three best teams to play on Gamma, like CS might give them a run for their money and maybe something else. But like... In general, uh, yeah, Hulk, Hulk on Gamma, Gamma is a monster. Voodoo is also extremely good. So I have a lot of really strong pieces for it. Uh, Sam is also really good. Like, basically, I have a lot of displacement. So I normally dominate Gamma pretty well. Um, so that's why it's there, and it's pretty high scoring. Uh, so that's why I have Gamma. Yeah. As for the other two, they're also like not entirely slow scoring uh, at four points each. Yeah. Uh, they're not Scoundrel, too. Um, I used to have Scoundrel, but I cut it off because I find that Malekith is too annoying in it. <laughs> 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 that's honestly the reason it's not there anymore. Um, and that's okay. why I switched to um, so, the other point, Terrigen. Yeah, for sure. So the uh, you've got so once you cut out uh, Scoundrels, you're into the four scoring um, yeah. the four scoring skewers. And something you said earlier was you said you like to get an extract lead and then like condense down on one area and then your opponent has to abandon points or leave characters there and has this difficult choice they have to make. Mutant Madman kind of plays against that, doesn't it? Because can't they just leave the point and keep scoring it? And that's, that doesn't quite play into it. So I'm keen to uh, understand that oh, one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, for Mutant. Okay, in Mutant, instead I'm exploiting uh, my mobility. Uh, I find that in mutant, uh, it's like if it's mutant and it's not my extract, so then the the game plan is going to be differing a bit. But mutant madman is a secure that Avengers are really strong on, and is really good against all the tall lists in general. Like pay to flips, like generally, I think it's a pretty common knowledge at this point. But in general, pay to flips are a good way of playing against the 
Malekit, uh, Ulk style list, you know, the big point, the big uh, tall list with like three, four models. Mm -hmm. So against those lists, uh, Mutant Man is the best one for Avengers, as like you just have like a lot of people with four defense dice in Avengers, so it's uh, pretty favorable for them. And uh, I like uh, using my mobility in it to gain an advantage on the secures a bit. And uh, after that, on the extracts, it's going to depend on which extract comes out. But that's where uh, the other models in the roster shine a bit more. Yeah, I mean, you talk about lots of them having four uh, physical defense. And you're right, plenty of Avengers do. But just casting my eye down your roster, you're not yeah, bringing like any from right. you, are you? No, I don't. Not anymore. I have like two left, I think. You're Captain America. Who's the other? Hulk. <laughs> ah, of course. Hulk. Yeah, okay. They're, they're, they're both solid. Um, I was thinking um, a little bit late for roster advice here, but Miss um, Marvel is pretty darn good on um, uh, spider portals, the energy page flip. Yes, uh, for sure. And if my opponent's secure is spider portal, I normally bring her. Yeah. Um, as for why I don't use spider portal on my side, uh, I find I prefer mutant manmen as there isn't the skull drawback and those are I find to be <laughs> really obnoxious. Uh, yeah, that's perfectly <laughs> true. Yeah, uh, I can uh, see that. I, I am I am risk averse in MCP, so uh, I'd rather play in Mutant Madman than uh, Spider Portal. Yeah, and um, you're, you're the one in the top four, not me, so I'm going to defer to your knowledge there. So yeah, your final one then, Terrigen Cloud. So the split C, again, four points available. Uh, talk me through that one. That one, again, I don't really get this one. Uh, this one, again, is more going to be based off of using a lot of my cheap displacement models to gain an early lead on the secures. Uh, stuff like Spider-Gwen and Steve can just, like, double move onto it and displace someone, like, turn one. So that kind of play sequence with Oak doing similar plays normally lets me get one or both points kind of easily, and depending on the opponent's team. And then uh, following that up, uh, once Voodoo gets online and possesses someone, uh, Voodoo can also like pretty much solo a point. <laughs> mm. Like you can leave him one on one against someone, and he's gonna always win. He can two on one, so like I can gain a priority that way, forcing like an advantage, uh, depending on the opponent's roster. So like, um, there's a lot of those setups. Uh, also find that it is ice scoring enough that I can, uh, right? Because I can at least focus down one every round, so I know I'm scoring at least two, and then uh, trying to get a few fours here and there and uh, score as fast as possible. Mm. And as I said, it was like the, the, the number of points. And I kind of like that those weird, uh, the Fisk and um, Terrigen, I find they, they, they force a few weird decisions here and there. And uh, the more decisions I force on my opponent, the more chances he has of making mistakes. Um, so that's one of the lines I like with Terrigen. Okay. Okay, yeah. It's a, a very different way of going about it, but I, I respect your decisions there. Uh, let's move on to tactics cards. So restricted cards, let's start there. Brace and advanced R&D. You've kind of already spoken to advanced R&D. And do you think Brace is just the best restricted card? I don't know if Brace is the best one, but I think it's the most safe one to just have in a roster. <laughs> like, uh, so many models just throw terrain or just throw models that, like, it's it's safe guaranteed damage prevention. 
that you can bring in almost any game and it's going to be relevant at some point. So yeah, it's really hard to skip Brace. And uh, yeah, R&D, I already spoke about it a bit, but it's mostly enabling some turn one plays uh, with Black Cat and other cheeky plays here and there. Yeah, uh, maybe Doctor Voodoo games. making Toad drop something. That's another fun one. Yeah, for instance, or sometimes in pay to flips, uh, just being able to shift power around so that the model can use a one cost superpower and interact. Uh, yeah. just, just easing out the, the turn one a bit or turn two uh, with that card is always so good. So yeah, those are my two restricted and for sure Brace, I think is just the best catch-all answer. Okay, then you've got obviously Avengers Assemble. I'd be amazed if I saw an Avengers rosters without it. But you've also bringing Second Wind, and I've actually seen you playing it in a game as well. So uh, you clearly got a game plan for it. So uh, what's the thought there? Um, it's pretty basic, but it's basically um, I find that in cubes, I really like bringing Second Wind just to give me a bit more control on my models hit points because there's nothing worse than getting your model dazed off of a cube in the power phase uh so just having second wind to give me that little extra uh comfort zone in that scenario and it just sometimes like edges out like um most of my models like you know it's it matters mostly for sam steve and Hulk, which is often my core otherwise there's voodoo but like they're all tanky enough that that one hit point can make a huge difference into mm. versus them getting dazed sometimes. So that and mostly cubes. Uh, cubes is really the place where I bring it the most, just for that damage control early on. And who knows? Maybe you even get put on uh, Mayfesk as well. Who knows? Yep, yep. <laughs> then I can remove a stun. <laughs> Okay, uh, then you've got some defensive cards, and you've got quite a, a pretty substantial defensive suite. Because you've got Escort Safety, you've got Fallback, you've got Inspiring Monologue, and you've got Recalibration Matrix, which is maybe maybe you could use it defensively as well as offensively. Um, and given your kind of play patterns you've been describing, I feel like that's probably more often used defensively. Is that fair? Um, yeah, well, basically, uh, with, after the standard rotations, a lot of the more offensive cards have been taking down in mobility. So now like, I feel the best cards are defensive in nature, outside of Smash. But uh, yeah, so like I, I always bring like a bunch of defensive cards almost every game, um, mostly just to keep uh, Steve alive, especially like uh, inspiring monologue on Steve uh, once he's injured is a uh, pretty impressive tower, uh, defensive tower. Like I've thanked entire teams for a round with that and taken like one or two damage at the end just because rolling four or six dices with blanks counting and re-rolling everything is insanely strong. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Inspiring Monologue. Uh, Escort to Safety is one that I've been playing more with because of Malekit. Mm -hmm. um, as just like a way of getting plays against um, the, ch the, the charge. Well, Ferocity in this case, but it's charge, it's charge attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Escort is interesting for that, but it's the one I like the least, I guess. Um, as it is a bit more awkward positioning-wise, uh, but the effect is really strong. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I saw you did a, a nice little fallback inspiring monologue combo recently. Uh, no, it was mission objective, I think. Sorry, fallback, yeah, you put square, fallback uh, objective, sorry. Yeah, fallback mission objective is one of my favorite setup to use in almost any game with a bunch of, where the extracts are going to matter a lot. 
as like the combination lets you take a model that isn't quite in range of mission objective and get them in range so that's always huge uh safety wise it does require to have a bit of power but that play is really good for uh mm. scenario control and fallback in general is just a really great card the more i play with it the more i find uses for it but yeah in my play group uh, we've been using the fallback mission objective play a lot uh, to great success <laughs> It's uh, pretty brutal when you think you're finally getting that objective and nope, fallback, mission objective. It's now like super far away from everything. Okay, and finally we've got Bird of Prey, which is the Sam Wilson card that uh, gives you extra dice and re-rolls. Um, how have you been finding that for you? It's a great card. I don't use it often because the situations are limited for it. But whenever it's a matchup where I know I'm bringing Sam, and I know my opponent's going to have Dr. Voodoo, it's normally a card I'm, I look at bringing in those cases, and I just consider it like a Voodoo killer, and just use it to uh, get rid of Voodoo at some point in the game. <laughs> so, yeah, if you've got a card that says Delete Voodoo, then you, you, you play that card, yeah. I mean, it doesn't fully delete him, but uh, 7 dice re-rolling everything normally, yeah. And it removes flight for the round, so like sometimes it just limits his options after. Yeah, true. You get that extra utility out of it against him, for sure. Um, and your no, no follow me. Was follow me ever a consideration? I know it's now been restricted, but when back when you made the roster, it wasn't. Um, actually, I've been going back and forth on it in my roster. Uh, I think I had it at the beginning of the season. I don't remember fully what I think I did. Um, it's kind of it's always a good card. Um, I just found in my team that I rarely add the power to use it and my playstyle doesn't quite mesh with what follow me tries to do all that mm. much so because of that i cut it but in the, yeah yeah i added it initially because i was playing old buster and oak in my roster and i would use it whenever i would basically double oak <laughs> uh, and bring it out in those scenarios but uh I, once malekit came out i cut old buster and um put in and cut follow me basically for uh, I think escort to safety. So you mentioned him a few times. So let's maybe dig into that matchup a little bit. Um, and you mentioned escort safety, but w what is your thoughts about how you deal with a Malekith when you see it across the table with this roster? Uh, I try to have as many potential duos possible as answers. Um, I mean duos of characters. Like I almost nothing beats Malekith. Like point for point so the best you can do is like use a bit more points to kind of like uh, limit him and potentially beat him uh, so normally it comes down to using Oak as the one that's going to threaten him offensively and then pair that with Loki and just make sure Malekith has a miserable time because of the aura oh, that's, um, that's why I like that. Yeah, and that's why also I cut the Mind Gem from Loki. I used to run Mind Gem Loki in my roster, and I switched to Gemless because I wanted to be able to fit Loki and Ulk more easily at 17 points. Yep. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. maybe that's a bit underexplored, actually. Maybe Loki's going to see a bit of a comeback. Um, I think Because he's got um, yeah, the, the Loki tax, and he's got his... Trickstering away, and he can, if he gets a bit of power on him, he can do good offensive output as well with his counting blanks. Uh, just with counting blanks, uh, the, the strike is pretty decent. 
Um, especially in the Steve Avenger, where it costs only one the first time, you're often getting a lot of nice free shots. Yeah. Uh, the Frost Blast also uh, into Malekith. It's only four dice, but once you count blanks, uh, if you can get a damage in, slow him. It uh, it doesn't solve everything, but it makes him a bit more miserable. Yeah. And, uh, I just often am really aggressive with Lokin, trying to get Malekit into my aura like as soon as possible before he charges. Like he's in this deployment zone, and I'm within four kind of thing, and just making sure he can't uh, can't really do anything easily. And then uh, yeah, just limit him turn one. Well, round one, and then hope. Uh, that slows him down enough that he doesn't train wreck everything. Yeah. Also, counting blanks on defense, that can be that's pretty yep. good tech against, yeah. um, against, against Pierce. <laughs> Especially against his Pierce attack, yep. For it's sure. Really good. Yeah. And Trickster, Trickster being online round one with Steve uh, makes a huge difference for sure. But yeah, Loki in general, I think, is really good against Malekith. And for anyone looking for tools to help their Malekith matchup, uh, Loki is probably one of the really nice ones. And at the same time, he's got the bonus point of being a decent tool against Thanos. So like he just handles both of the big guys at the same time, which yeah. I think is a nice spot to be in as a four point. And probably ironically, he's also pretty good against Hulk. Yeah, he's also pretty decent against Hulk. Uh, turning off Gamelie round one is huge. Mm-hmm. So um, he's really good against like that aura is really good against all the big pieces of the meta. Same thing against Juggernaut. Juggernaut doesn't like being near Loki, no. and uh, if he ever tries to strike you, the trickster plays really make him miserable. So yeah, uh, Loki, Loki for all the the tall boy, all the tall boy meta. I think. Is- oh, because just the interaction there, the attack still runs through, so his bonus dice are gone. So if you trickster yep. away, yes, he gets another action, but he yep. um, won't get the bonus dice to it. Yeah, exactly. So then even if he punches someone else, eh, it's five dice. Yeah. <laughs> not not quite the threat that eight dices are. Yeah. So yeah, low-key right now is one of him and uh, yeah, him for sure. And he's my Yeah, okay. You're you're really selling me on Loki in the current meta and uh Steve Rogers Loki is best Loki. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. By far. And that's why I went with Loki as my um four point answer to all the big guys. Like him in the Avengers is just so good with Steve. Mm. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm really liking the sound of that now actually. Um, how are you feeling generally about the big boy meta at the minute? Um, I'm hoping they do... Like, I know AMG went, said that they weren't planning on doing necessarily another card pack style update anytime soon, but I do hope they do one in the near future and take down take down a peg some of the, some of the dominant pieces of the, the current meta, because, yeah, there's Voodoo, Black Cat that are, like, you know, super obnoxious and need to be toned down, but a lot of the big boys, they've, like... I think Juggernaut is a bit too pushed. Same for Hulk. And Malekith is definitely uh, way too pushed. So, like, uh, I hope they do a little something about it. Otherwise, I have a feeling we might be seeing Smash get restricted soon. <laughs> uh, also, just because uh, Smash, Smash is kind of, like, too brutal these days with all the size 4 models. Uh, Hulk makes great use of it. And uh, Malekith is obviously... A monster with smash. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, the Tallboy meta right now is okay, but I find it's a bit, 
I find that it's a bit annoying that right now a lot of like four points model are like unplayable because of it. I I find that like the four five points are struggling a bit identity wise in the game. Like the twos and threes shine by just being low point and normally having well defined roles and doing them pretty well. But then you get into four points where they're like not quite the big guys, but you know not the little scrubs. And all those guys are suffering a bit in the middle because of it, I find. Mm. Yeah. Is that that Loki guy? I hear he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a few outliers, obviously. Like, it's not all four points that are that are bad, right? There's uh, quite a few that are really decent. But it's yeah. like the, the list is just shrinking down with every big right. guy that comes out. Yeah, I totally take your point, though. Often a three can do the get the same amount of work done as a four maybe it's not survivable or maybe it can survive as well as a four but can't get the output but you just pick the right three piece for the team that you need for the role that you need in yes. that team and then once you have like models that it really hard as like coming in like say uh Malekith is obviously the the best example but even just all right with his base seven dies going to eight nine uh, kind of fast like once they start hitting like uh the difference in between like an average four point tankiness and a three point isn't big enough that it often matters so like i find that in the end like a lot of four points feel uh, lackluster right now and it's a game of two twos threes sixes and sevens <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a, obvious exceptions like and yeah. there's a, a few four points like crimson dynamo is also really good but uh, overall, the, the mid-tier is uh, struggling a bit. Mm. Um, how do you feel about the spread of affiliations that you can play if you want to be competitive? Um, I think that uh, it's sadly been narrowing down a lot, I think, recently with some of the newer releases. Um, like, uh, right now I feel that there's like maybe five, six affiliations that can really win which is still like a good amount like if you think about it but that could really win like a really big event i think there might only be five six left now with all the meta is there's like too many different pieces that are really too strong at what they're doing uh whether it's voodoo and cat stealing objectives or uh, malikit murdering everything thanos just displacing everyone like there's all those different extremes that are so extreme that like if you can't be leveraging some of them really well, you're not really, you're going to have a hard time. And yeah, a lot of affiliations I think are struggling right now. Well, I mean, you're still going to have decent success if you're a good player, like, but once you get to like, uh, really facing the most extreme list, I think that's where it gets a bit rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once the odds are stacked against you and you need the dice to go your way, that's, that's never where you want to be. Yep. Yep. Really, Nick. Well, thank you so much for your time, and good luck in your game against Morgan. And uh, yeah, I, I, you've got a very unique roster, and you seem to be playing it very well. Um, so yeah, congratulations. I'm, yeah. I'm very impressed. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game with Morgan. Uh, I've heard he's a really good player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's also a, a lovely guy to play against, though. So you'll have a good game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a great game. Really looking forward to it. All right, so thanks and see you around. Brilliant, thanks very much. All right. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our thoughts on the game. As the game changes, the information in this episode may become less relevant, so bear that in mind if you're listening from the future. We also want to thank Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games. 
If you don't have a local game store and they can't get what you're looking for, check out those guys. They'll sort you out. Finally, a big thank you to Atomic Mass Games for making such an awesome game. We'll see you next time in The Danger Room. Simulation complete.